Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. Those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I'm a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. And today I've got a very special guest, which any fan of 90s alternative should be very well familiar with. That is Dean Ween, one half of the musical duo Ween. Uh, Dean, whose real name is actually Michael Melchionda Jr., for those in the know, has a new album. It's a sophomore release from his solo project, The Dean Ween Group. It's entitled Rock 2. It came out last Friday via Schnitzel Records. And we discuss the new album and background on the songwriting process and what's next for Ween in 2018. He was as frank and as funny as any fan of the band would likely suspect, and it was a total blast to talk to him. So sit back and enjoy the interview. Yeah, so I'm really digging your new album. I know you've been really prolific the past few years because your last solo album, the Diener album, came out in 2016. And you've been touring with Ween and touring with the Dean Ween Group. And I was reading you've actually been re- averaging about recording two songs a day. So how do you keep up such a prolific pace? It seems like a very, very high amount of workload to get to get done in such a quick amount of time. Um, I don't. I, first of all, I don't record two songs every day. Um, there's days when I do <laughs> pretty often, but um, but I, you know, at night, like my wife. And my kid go to bed and he's got to get up for fucking, you know, high school. And, uh, you know, I come here and I smoke cigarettes and weed, blast <laughs> music all night, play my guitar top volume. And I can't do that at home. So that puts me in the studio every single night. You know? <laughs> and, but it, I mean, I know that doesn't sound like realistic, but that's really what I think why I'm so prolific. <laughs> I'm just always here. <laughs> no, but I mean, no, I, I really do. I, I love being here. I've always loved, you know, it's been a long time since um, I could record 24-7, you know, in, in, in a place where it wasn't really temporary. I mean, between Ween and me, I mean, I'm, we must have rented, I, I, no shit, 25, 25 different houses, I would say, in the, or apartments just to record in, you know. Because we'd always get thrown out whenever the lease was up from noise or drinking or, you know, whatever it was, you know. So that was like kind of the last time I ever cranked out this much music. It takes me back to like, you know, so, you know, being, you know, between you know, 14 and 26 years old, you know. So that's, that's, that's kind of the real truth. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I know in your press release, you say that it represents the first time that I was able to take what we do on stage and put it on a record. And did that Ooh. did that just come from more time together? White, white Peppers. White Peppers kind of true of that. Um, um, the, well, there's two factors in that. One is that um, uh, just the way things are now to make money make a living as a musician, you have to tour. It's the only way. No mm-hmm. record labels give. Nobody gets an advance, not even like $10,000. Because uh, anyone can, Fidelity is so cheap, you know, you just need a laptop and Pro Tools, you know, and just a couple pieces of gear to make a great sounding record. But um, uh, anyway, so, you know, so you don't get royalties, you don't get an advance. You know, what does that leave? You know, it leaves touring and, mer- and selling t-shirts. That's how you make a living as a musician. So um, I've been touring a lot more than ever, you know. Um, <laughs> and, then, you know, I've just started thinking, you know, in terms of a band a lot more, you know. Um, you know, when we disbanded for, for a few years there, um, 
I, I, you know, I started doing this and I kind of embraced my identity as the guitar player guy a little more, you know, mm-hmm. which meant not as, you know, the way Aaron and I do things, you know, we sit down with a drum machine or, you know, or not necessarily a drum machine, but one track at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, but from White Pepper, we, we recorded all those songs, demoed them, Aaron and I did it. And then we brought in the band and we cut it as a record. And that's kind of exactly what I did with this one. But that's the only other time. You know, most every other case, the demo is what's on the record. You know what I mean? There's no demos of Puss the Little Daisies, you know. There's no other, you know, that's obviously the one and only, you know, or whatever, you know, being song. Um, so that's kind of the... Those are the correlations. Do you find it hard to replicate a demo? Is that what you like kind of going with the first, the first edition of it? Is that? Um, well, no, I mean, uh, I think that we were, I think that Ween is two things. Ween is a Ween in the studio, which is Aaron and I writing, you know, and then there's Ween on stage, which is this epic three hour rock show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the studio, you know, every nothing is off limits. You know, change the speed of the tape, put tons of effects, you know, whatever it takes to make it the most of what it is, you know, to get to the essence of the song. Um, you know, where, whereas what I'm doing here is a rock and roll band. That's what that's what I want. That's what I'm what I want to do. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I really like the opening track, Showstopper. I was kind of surprised to learn that was a cover because it really has kind of your stylistic fingerprints <laughs> all over it. How did you discover that I kind song? I think we own it now. I think we own that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an obscure ass song. I don't know. Somebody said it to me. Honestly, I've listened to it like 25,000 times. <laughs> I decided to make a track one on my records. <laughs> And then I know you've got finger banging, which is another one that I, I really I had a blast with. It's kind of reminds me of like a sixty strip club song, and I combined. yeah, I, I I just I like the idea of starting the record with two drum solos back to back. I thought that was really hilarious. It might be really <laughs> stupid, but no one has really said anything about it yet <laughs> except me. I'm the only one that's heard it. How did that song originate? Like, do you remember when you first came up with that idea, and how did that kind of come together? What? Back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember exactly how it was. Um, <laughs> when my son was little. I was taking when he was like ten or eleven. I had to take him uh, to a birthday party. It was his birthday. Laser tag, and I and I hate kids except my kids. I fucking hate them, especially after like eight years old. I fucking can't stand them until they're like in their twenties. But um, I love my own kid, so I had my my car filled with these kids these boys you know going there and this kid in the back seat was talking about like finger banging cindy what's her name you know and i was like you're so full of shit i kind of got like, so fed up i turned like he was talking about how he hacked into paypal he's doing all this bragging and then he put said finger banging and i almost fucking crashed the car i was laughing so hard i was like, was like you, you know you, you can't even like you don't even your dick you don't even have hair on your balls you can finger bang anybody you don't even know what that means and you didn't rob PayPal. Don't bullshit a bullshitter. So then we were backstage. We were backstage in Hamden, Connecticut. And uh, and I said, I told that story. And I said, 
like, when we go on, we're going to do this riff. And I had my guitar, and I just sort of wrote it right there. And it's going to stop, and we're going to go, ooh, finger banging. And we opened it. <laughs> we never played it, literally. We talked about it. And then I put it on the record. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, every time we play, I, or every, I'd think about it, and I would think of something else. I'd be like, oh, let's, like, make the sniffing noise. Like, ooh, finger banging. Like, it's not on your finger. And then it was like, oh. Big obnoxious baritone sax solo, you know. So eventually, <laughs> awesome. I got it all on there. Finger banging has been fully realized. Oh, that's great! About to say, <laughs> and you can look forward to hearing like ten minute versions of it when we tour. <laughs> <laughs> and I was reading to that that "Don't Let the Moon Catch You Crying" was something that originated back with Ween for Quebec, but you guys never recorded it. Is that right? Yeah, there's a no, there's a four track demo of it. Um, with different words. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, for all the stuff I do here and whatever, it's like, I never, you would not believe how many like old ideas become like a micro part of a song. You know, I, I've got a really good, I got kind of an elephant's memory to anything I've ever written or recorded or played, you know, um, I don't know. I guess it's what I do for a living. So I should, but, but, uh, um, that was just like on my like always like me- meant to revisit list, you know. I thought it was just the most badass chorus. I mean, it could have been on the country record. It, you know, it was like, well, that was later. That was earlier, actually. But you know what I mean? It's it was a great, great chorus, and and uh, and the verses weren't good at all. And and um, you know when you sometimes you come to the studio and you have a definite idea of what you're going to do or sometimes anything can spark an idea or whatever. And that just decided to revisit it and ask my friends because I was stuck on thinking of thinking of it with the old words. I asked my friend Adam from low cut Tommy to help me write the words, which is something that like I rarely if ever have done in my life. Co-written a song with someone other than Aaron, you know, mm-hmm. and um, he was able to break my mind out of, thinking, you know, you know, hearing the old melodies and cadences, you know what I mean? And, and, and make it into the, like a, what it should have been, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it now. Like that song has been realized fully to its fullest potential. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, of Adam, a question I had as well, I know that you had the same core lineup you have from the past album and you've had, you know, kind of your frequent collaborators like Adam and also Michael Hampton from Parliament Funkadelic. And, yeah, and when you are in the studio, do you write these things at first and go, "I'm going to call this person in and do it"? It sounds like something perfect for them. Or is it kind of arranged originate from jam sessions, or is it kind of a little uh, bit of both? It's, lot, it's, it's every it's every way you can imagine. Sometimes it's just me here most of the time, uh, and and my roadie and best friend Gabe. Um, uh, you know, other times I'll have a tune and I'll yeah I'll call I'll write a tune and I'll and I'll call. It could be a number of people, different people, you know, bass players or who's around, you know, I might be hanging out, you know, we hang out here a lot, um, you know, and if I call, you know, one of my musician friends and we're going to, we're hanging out here, it's kind of understood that we're probably going to end up recording. We'll definitely at least be jamming. You know what I mean? How can you be a musician to be surrounded by all this equipment and not, you know, want to do that you know that's i i love you know and all my friends and associates or bandmates or whatever you want to call them are like-minded you know so um 
it works every which way. You know, sometimes it's just me playing everything. Sometimes it's two of us hanging out. Sometimes I'll write a song, record it alone the night before, and then call people the next night to re-record it. You know, because I know I could do it better. Um, yeah, it's it, any anything that works. That's the nice part about having a studio. I mean, I, I you know, people that have have had one and take it for granted. You know, I'm te- living test. You know, <laughs> I, I use the shit out of my place. Is what I'm saying. You know, our our stuff has so much mi- so many miles on it already. You know, I mean, and, and and all the stuff that I do here alone with my friends. I mean, I record other bands here too. So I could end up doing, you know, a song or two, you know, in the, you know, before 10 p.m. and then record six songs for a band's demo, you know, <laughs> till 8 a.m. Um, so there's constantly music going on here. You know, it's great. It's just awesome. And then I was reading you also, you work with Electric Six. Is that correct? I was reading that on Consequence of Sound. Yeah, yeah, right. The drummer in the Dean Wing group, one of the drummers in the Dean Wing group is in Electric Six. And he sang Showstopper on stage before he plays drums and he's a great singer. So when it came time to cut the vocal, he was out on tour with him. So I, I sent him the session and they all did the vocals on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was also wondering if you, I knew the last album you did a video for extra or for Bicycle Man, which or was it Exercise yeah, Man? Exercise yeah, yeah, Man. Which, exercise which was, man. which was yeah. hysterical. And I was wondering if you're going to do one. <laughs> For this album, I was thinking Yellow Pontiac might make for a, a perfect one with the oh, lyrics. Man. <laughs> I keep I keep like forgetting to do it because it's only like one day out of your life. I, I yeah, I did want to make a video for this record. I, I'll get back to you on that one though. Okay, gotta, I'm kind of running running out of time here. Okay. Be on the road. <laughs> no, I don't mean for this interview, but I mean yeah, just time. Like, it's just one day out of your life, you know. You, you know, I I know a bunch of people that are great directors. Monica, who did the exercise, man, I'd probably just get, you know, ask her to do it, this one too. She did a great job for <laughs> the first one, no budget. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just like an afternoon out of your life. But if it's a good video, you live with it the rest of your life. And if it sucks, then you're going to live with it the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. <laughs> so videos are like, you want to be like careful. <laughs> But the lyrics. Like we were... made a couple awesome ones and a couple sucky ones <laughs> before we just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the lyrics are absolutely hilarious. I mean, they really paint a picture. Can you tell me what inspired that song? Where that where that came from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> there's um, this uh, the town I live in, New Hope, PA, is a very big gay town. It's a Huge in the U.S., it's got to be one of the top ten destinations like Fire Island or Key West, San Francisco. You know, and having grown up here, you know, I've been around gay men and gay women my whole life, and I noticed that they drive gay cars. And, I, and so I asked my friend, the bartender at the bar. He goes by the name of Pumpkin. That's his drag name. I hope he reads this. But I asked Pumpkin, I was like, "Why do you?" Why do you have to drive like? Why do you have to drive like a pale blue like fucking Grand Am? I've never seen like that car. Like, where do you find it? Why can't you just drive like? <laughs> it's like if it's like if you're a gay woman like Kate Upton's not not hot. It's got to be like a butch thing. I you know I just don't get you know. So I but it's an honest question. You know, it's like where? Did, how come you have this car like? 
I've never seen that in my life. My father's a used car dealer. You have a yellow Grand Am. <laughs> it's the only one I've ever seen in my entire life, and it's so gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the song is about. <laughs> I, but uh, he's like, oh, honey, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> Well, I was thinking about your early Ween albums. I know you guys would often like crack up during certain songs, and I was wondering. I was thinking about Yellow Pontiac and also Pussy on My Pillow, and I wondered when you're recording those, does it take you multiple takes so that you don't laugh, or you kind of an, an, an old pro by now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. It definitely happens during Pussy on My Pillow. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason why I put Gum on the first record. Actually, that's like one of the worst songs I ever wrote. We were laughing so hard doing it that I thought that it would be, it was just kind of like something you can't emulate, you know? Uh Very (laughs) weans. After all, I'm being weans. But, uh. Well, I mean, speaking of Ween, I, I know that you guys have got some uh, trip plans this summer for Red Rocks. Do you have anything else in the works? Mm hmm. I'm not allowed to tell you though. Actually, I don't even remember anyway. But yeah, no, we're doing we're doing a bunch of gigging this year. I've I just I don't I stopped looking at tour dates like ten years ago, dude. Like I, I don't I don't I don't want to know. It's so horrifying and so horrible when you look at it and you realize like, oh my god, like it's three days, it's two days from now. Oh my god, it's tomorrow. Fuck. And then the next thing you know, you're in like Cleveland in the rain on a Monday night playing. <laughs> Staying off the interstate and Polyhedron Express won't kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Playing finger bands. <laughs> a different bunch of people every night. <laughs> well, have you, have you guys talked to any about doing any new material, or is that kind of not really in the plans right now, or you haven't really gotten to that point yet? Or well, it's not in the plans right now. Not 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 in the plans right now. That's all. Right. Well, I think that covers everything I had to ask. Anything else you wanted to add about the new album before we wrap up today? Or uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Buy it. Don't 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 steal it off the internet. Do me a favor. If you're reading this and listening to this, buy it. <laughs> Give brother a break. <laughs> Well, I really like it a lot, and I wish you the best of luck with it. Hope it does well for you, and look forward to hearing more about the tour plans and uh, seeing you on the road. Thanks so much for talking today. It was a real pleasure. All right, man. Bye. Very, very special thanks to Dean Lee for taking out the time to do this interview today. That was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. I definitely had a great time talking to him. And uh, next week, you guys are going to want to check back because I've got another exciting guest coming up. I'll be talking to Dave Windorf, the frontman behind Monster Magnet, discussing their new album entitled Mindfucker, which is a Incredible name for an album. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. And just one more thing. I want to give a big shout out to Interstellar, the L.A. stoner rock group that gives the theme song for our podcast. You can find them on Bandcamp at Interstellar 1L, just to keep track of that. The song is called Hold It. So big thanks to them for that. For those of you listening on the Anchor FM app, I've got a special surprise for you. I've got a Spotify link to Don't Let the Moon Catch You Crying, which is a song off Dean Lee's new album. So check that out if you listen to this. And that's all for now. See you next week. Hey.